And welcome back, everyone, to the Brandon Burns Show, proudly presented by Enterprise Monkey. It's great to have your company, and thanks so much for joining us. We're going to have a very special guest on the show today, so we look forward to sharing that with you. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube, or rate and review on iTunes Store, and also Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. But for now, let's get into the episode, and see you on the other side. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Brandon Burns Show, which is proudly presented by Enterprise Monkey. It's your host, Brandon Burns, and with me on the line and joining us for our newest episode of the podcast is Josh Farr from Community... Hang on, I'm going to get this right. Campus Consultancy. Oh, I got that right, Josh. There you go. You nailed it, Brandon. <laughs> it's, I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Josh? You're going well? Good, mate. I'm going really well. It's, uh, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm excited for our listeners who are listening to the podcast and um, and those of you who may even be listening on YouTube. We obviously won't have video feed up for this, but I'll, I will put up a beautiful photo of Josh's face so you can all admire that while you listen. <laughs> Josh I don't and know why you're doing that to your audience, mate. But. <laughs> well, Josh and I connected on LinkedIn probably a good two, three weeks ago and um, it didn't take me long to realise that he's a guest who I think would be awesome to have on the program just for everyone to get an understanding and, and relate to his experience and journey, given that it's probably very similar to a lot of startups and young entrepreneurs that, that listen to our shows. So I want to start at the head by saying thanks so much, Josh, for giving us your time. Of course. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you, and I'm really excited by everything you're doing and the value you're kind of consistently giving to your audience. So a pleasure for anything I can contribute. Great. Awesome. All right. Well, it's usually this time of the episode where I give uh, our, our beautiful, wonderful guest, Josh, the opportunity to tell us a little bit about himself and his journey to date. So I'm going to be quiet now and I'm going to hand over to Josh. Yeah, sure thing. So how, how deep do you want me to go? Frame this up for me. How much time do you, do you want me to spend here? Well, give me, give me um, a chunky two, three minutes that just tells me about how you've gotten to where you are now and even if you want to throw in there a couple of curveballs around like biggest challenges or um, obstacles that you've overcome, that'd be awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go for like a two or three minute time frame. So um, thanks for having me on again. Uh, my name's Josh and I founded Campus Consultancy as a bit of a side business almost a year ago. Yes. Um, but before I tell you about what that does, maybe I'll give you a bit of the origin story. Great. Um, and I, I always start with saying that I grew up in a little country town called Orange in New South Wales. So I'm not originally from Victoria. I know a lot of your uh, listenership, uh, I'm sure it'll go international if it's not already, but he's based oh, yeah, baby. in Victoria. We're global. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> global around Geelong as well. So I can relate to that rural element yep. uh, a little bit, at least out of the capital city. So I grew up in Orange. Um, moved to Sydney to go to university and yes. studied civil engineering. And when I was there, I was really looking for a community, mm-hmm. uh, a group of people that sort of Simon Seneke believe what I believe and wanted to develop skills in the same way I did. Uh, and I really got that not necessarily through my high school friends, uh, as we all sort of went separate ways, different unis, different areas, um, but through on-campus college and university life. Yep. And I got really involved with club societies, things like 180 Degrees Consultancy and the Student Engineering Societies. Um, mm-hmm. ended up being the president of one of those clubs. And when I was there, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was it was while I was doing that, albeit as a volunteer, it was the answer to that Alan Watts video, like, what if money were no object? Like, that was the answer to that question. I knew what I wanted to do. I just loved every second of it. Yep. And that was a bit of a taste for like being involved in sort of community manage uh, community management and some entrepreneurial kind of minds mindsets, although I didn't really realize it. Mm-hmm. And then I went into the working world and graduated and thought I needed to get an adult job. 
Um, so I became an engineer, very quickly realized that although there were lots of good opportunities, that that wasn't really for me. Um, that wasn't the right um, sort of fulfilling pathway for the things I believed in. Yep. And I took a couple of years off, I actually traveled for nearly two years. And when I came back, I started working with not-for-profits. I started working with universities more. And the idea came up to start my own business. And that business is all about developing and connecting student leaders across Australia so that they can add the most value to their communities of students. Yep. Unreal. We just had on the show a couple of weeks ago, be dropping uh, soon is Bo Arnfield from, he's from Deakin University and he's got a startup Spare Pair, which is about, um, yeah, yeah. I think you may have even heard of it, but he sounds I like... A, homelessness, a, no? Yeah, home, that's correct, yeah, and donating, yeah. let's say you buy underwear or socks or clothing online and the, the business model is to try and um, donate then that same pair back to, yeah, someone in need. And uh, yeah. but, but more 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 widely, he's involved at the university level. On on, uh, you know, he's a leader at the uni, and he's right involved with his foundations. And it sounds like he's the type of person that you work with um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bo and I've uh, I've crossed paths, and we're both doing a little bit in and around the Deacon or Spark Deacon Accelerator Program, an entrepreneurial arm of the uni. So oh, um, great. But Bo, Bo's a good man, and what he's doing is is beautiful. So I 100% support that. So tell me, right? You're you're an entrepreneur. Um, you started your own organisation, your own business. Um, yeah. Was there? Are you typically risk averse and predisposed to wanting to take the plunge and just go for something, or are you a little bit more conservative? And was there something that happened, one or two things that made you go, "No, I've really just, I've got to do this. I've got to go all in." It's a really good question with lots and lots of layers to it. So I think there's one layer is about risk aversion which mm -hmm. for me is a funny one because a really core principle of mine is gratitude yes which means like i'm not afraid i'm so grateful for what i have and all the opportunities that are presented in front of me and aware that not everyone in the world albeit in even in australia gets that mm -hmm. um so i'm really appreciative of that so i'm not necessarily afraid um to take a risk because i it's not a, a financial thing i don't need a million dollars a year to be happy i know that yes um but also i think going down the entrepreneurial journey and sort of starting your own business is also the flip side of that is really taking agency for your future and the change you want to see in the world and making that happen and not waiting for someone else to do it. Yep. So when, when this really started to come up as an idea that I thought, you know what, this is actually a business mm -hmm. um, was when I realized that I wasn't the only person who'd experienced a problem that I thought was unique to me. So when I was working as a student leader on campus, I was thrown in the deep end, sort of leading this club, hundreds and hundreds of members, tens of thousands of dollars in expenditure every year um, at a really prestigious university. And I thought I'd stepped up into a role where, you know that feeling, you always hear it, and you've touched on it in your podcast before, um, where it's almost like the like you're an imposer or you're is like that fake it till you make it thing. And you're in that environment. You're like, oh, I'm in this role, but I'm not actually good enough or that self-doubt or whatever. Yep. And that, that came up and I made mistakes as everyone does in any role where they're challenged, which I think is a good thing. Um, but I, I didn't realize that I could have been more prepared. And in other institutions and in the professional world, people invest really heavily in training and professional development. I think it's something like a $4 billion industry annually yes. in Australia. Um, so when I realized that, I, and I went through that process and I sort of made the best of it. 
And then when I stepped out into the working world and then back into the university world, mm -hmm. I looked at all these other people just like me, clubs and societies all over the country. There's nearly 4,000 of them. And the leaders of these clubs turn over at about 100% per year. So a new group of students stepping up as volunteers every year. And as I started reaching them and doing customer interviews and calling them up or adding them like I did with you on LinkedIn and just having a conversation, mm -hmm. I realized they were all going through the same problems as I was and that the problems I'd experienced weren't unique to me. They're actually really commonplace, but no one was really doing anything about it, at mm -hmm. least not in a way that um, it had never made its way to me and it hadn't made its way to the people I was talking to. So I thought, huh, this is a, a niche market that I understand that I'm passionate about um, that has really led me down some rewarding career pathways that I could give back to and also turn into something I get to do full-time and love. Okay, so the, the, what you've mentioned there is excellent because that really touches on, especially for our audience, the ability to prove a concept or to mm. you know identify a need and then also see that that's something you're clearly passionate about and then wanting to sort of own um, you know, fi fixing and solving that problem. So talk to me about the, the really quick process that you went through of um, validating um, the, the, the need. So for this type of product in your service and yeah. then the, the momentum that you seem to have gained and how quickly you've been able to snowball it and for it to become uh, what looks like, and I'm sure you can attest, uh, quite an in-demand service mm. product now. Because I see that you travel around a bit. Do you, do you speak occasionally at events? And, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So talk to me about yeah, how you've been able to get yourself as an authority in your space quickly and, um, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so on the... On the note of how did I sort of validate that there was potential here, yep. um, I very quickly realized, uh, and my and it's probably important to say, like the route I went down is not the right route necessarily. It's not the okay. optimal route. It might not be the route for everybody. It's just mm -hmm. what I did. So when I had this idea and I really looked into it, uh, I sort of, my first question was, is anyone else already doing this? And I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. Um to quantify that, probably like a weekend with my laptop where I was just obsessed with this idea and wanted to make sure I hadn't been beaten to the punch. Yep. Um, so to put a time frame on it, in a weekend I was like, you know what, this doesn't exist and I still think this is a good idea 48 hours later. Yep. Um, so you cram some market research, competitor analysis. Yep, yep. <laughs> you I Googled like in. crazy. <laughs> and I crammed it in. And I think that point's important because I speak to lots of students now at universities, at TAFEs and in high schools around their ideas and they have an idea and then they put weeks, months, and sometimes years into building a product or a service and then they realize someone's already done it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's just so demotivating as well as it's a complete waste of time of your talent and skill. So yep. we experienced something similar here. It's people just want us to build a product, but first we say, well, hang on a minute, before you go and spend all yeah. this time and money Proof on building all. it, yeah. let's prototype it and let's understand is there a need. Um, exactly. Yeah, so that's a very ethical thing you do. I love that. Exactly. So that was the first one. Like one, have an idea, just a quick check and balance. Is there, has anyone else already built this? So yep. that was important. Then I think even more important was me sort of realizing, being very self-aware and knowing I did a civil engineering degree and I didn't learn a day of business while I was studying at all. You know, there was no value props. There was no customer interviews. There was no stakeholder management, none of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I started... Um, building up a community of people that were going through the same um, problem as me that I thought I could learn from. So I just sort of did that intuitively. I, I wanted to know 
there's other people like me. I imagine you're going through the same problem. Is, is this the case? Is what I've experienced in my small, um, small ecosystem of net, and network of friends, is that true across the broader and wider ecosystem? Is there demand? Mm-hmm. And I started having conversations with people, really using LinkedIn, being quite proactive, starting to do some customer interviews and realized that this problem was common. So one, I had a problem that no one else had seemed to solve. Two, I had a problem that lots of people were experiencing. Mm-hmm. And then three, I went, okay, I think there's some, there's some real potential here. I need to very quickly upskill myself in like business 101. So I went to Google and I sort of, I looked into incubator programs, accelerator programs, trying to find the right fit. Um, I'm not an alumni of a Melbourne university, so I couldn't really go through one of those avenues, which is a great option if you are in a city or, and you're, univers- you're a university graduate and your university has an accelerator program. Um, so I instead looked for alternatives. And what I found was brilliant. Um, a program, I'm not sure if you're familiar, Brandon, with Startup Leadership Program. Okay, that um, sounds familiar. Tell me more. Yeah, but it's, it's about a six-month program. It runs in cities all over the world. Um, started in Boston about a decade ago. And in Melbourne, um, it's run by a brilliant guy, Grant, who he was the first person outside of my friendship group I ever uh, pitched campus to. Yep. And at the, at the end of my pitch, he sat there very wise, looking across the table at me, and he said, He's like, yeah, don't worry. We'll help you work on your pitch, but it sounds like a good idea. And I was like, great. Um, <laughs> this is a man I need to learn from. Um, so I went through this Pretend program. you're on I, Shark Tank, hey? Yeah, seriously. Uh, and I heard your uh, previous interview. I think you had Matthew on who handles the grants and stuff in, yep. uh, in Geelong. And he was talking about the, th- the three F rules. It's like your family, family, friends and fools willing to go <laughs> along with you on an idea. Yep. Um, and I very quickly put Grant into the friends category. Um, by no way. So yeah, he, um, he jumped on board. He was super supportive. Uh, and I went through this program with about half a dozen other people. So it was like business 101, incubator 101. And I read all the books everyone talked about. I just sat there with my, just like a sponge trying to absorb it all and was really challenged and held accountable. Um, and by the end of the six months, I'd, I'd built a, I'd done the research, I'd built a training program. I'd done the website, all that sort of basic stuff. Um, and on the, I think, two days before our final pitch night, as fate would have it, secured my first university client and was ready to roll with the program. Yeah, excellent. That's great. All right. So next question for you is a bit of left with you, but I just, now that we've sort of we've really helped relate you to our audience, which is awesome, I guess the next question, and, and I ask this because when I look at your LinkedIn profile, your cover banner images of all <laughs> I would assume books that you've either destroyed already or you've, um, you're, you're on the way to, to reading or a wish list but if you could give me an idea of what you're currently reading and if yep. you're reading more than one thing but also give me an insight into your discipline or your routine yep. around how you execute effectively you know getting through books because a lot a lot of people who listen to this like me for example personally I just far and above prefer an audio book or a podcast yeah but there's particular books I just want to get through and I, I, I you know I'm just keen to hear how you go about doing it in a timely and, and a, a disciplined manner yeah okay for sure so this is really funny so if anyone ever does want to connect with me I'm on LinkedIn you can see my cover photo um, feel free to, to connect that'd be great um, the cover photo are all books that I've read. I read them in, I think I read those books in the first half of last year and a, and a bunch of others. I really went on, went on a binge. 
uh, my Amazon. I think I'm hang on one second. Hang on one. Hang on. I'm paying rent for. Hang on one second, Josh. Just hang on. It looks like it might be going a little yeah. bit. Hang yeah. on. It's just. Let me know when you can hear me. It's just going to be crackly again. Hang on. Just keep talking, Josh, for me. Yeah. Can you hear me? Keep going. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. Just let me know when you can hear me. Yeah. Just um, on the other end, listening in, talking for yeah, whenever. Yeah. Try. Try that. The All crackling right, so, stops. Yeah. So just just run us through again. Yeah. Your process yeah. for how you've embarked upon starting, getting through, you know, knocking over these books and knowledge and and how to do it in a timely manner. Yeah, sure thing. So on my LinkedIn profile, as you said, there's a cover photo with a whole bunch of books that I read last year, um, like 100 and something last year. And so the way that I really approach it is that I make time for it. I think that's really the key. Uh, I try to carve out time when I would otherwise sort of be wasting it. So for example, yes. in, com- in commute, if I'm catching a tram into the city, um, our return trip there is about an hour and a half. So that's a good chunk of reading I can get done. Yep. The the real motivation for reading is to just continue learning and continue to learn from diverse voices and sources um, across genders, across time zones, across academic backgrounds, uh, across life backgrounds, people who never went to university versus people who have five degrees or two PhDs or whatever it happens to be. So um, the motivation is really to learn from lots of people and Mm -hmm. apply those, those principles at a really deep level to the work I do. Mm -hmm. Um, personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. And then some of the techniques is, yeah, carving out time to do it, um, reading on first thing in the morning or late in a, of an evening, uh, especially on weekends. I find that to be really helpful. Yep. Um, but I've never done any speed reading courses. I've, I don't have some life hack I wish I could share. Um, it's really just making the time for it and finding a good book and knowing that, that doing that task and investing that time is a long-term game. So I think... I think lots of people, and I should speak first person here, I've fallen into the trap before of someone said, oh, you know, you need to do, if you do 150 push-ups a day, you'll be great. Or if you read three books a day, you'll be great. Or if you meditate, that'll solve all your problems. Mm -hmm. So my approach to the long-term arc of the benefits of reading is really just that I know if I read a book a week for a year, that might be 50 books, 52 books. And five years, 10 years, 20 years down the track, that accumulated knowledge is just invaluable. Gotcha. Um, so that's, yeah, that really is what motivates me to, to so, keep going. So, and- so last question on that one, which is important. Um, do you employ any other strategy whilst reading? Do you note take? Do you, um, do you make notes in your phone or do you make a note to try and apply something or do you just absorb? Yeah, so... I always, if I'm reading hardcover or like a hard copy physical book, I'll always read with a pen, um, Mm -hmm. which (laughs) annoys some of my friends sometimes. They'll lend me a book and just know that it's going to come back with notes scribbled all through it. Uh, I do that twofold. One, so I can make notes of um, things that really stand out to me or highlights, which I always summarize afterwards. So I'll I'll read a book and then I might, um, what's the term, batch it. I might take three or four books one weekend morning and then I'll go through them and just copy all the highlighted notes down so I have them somewhere. Yeah, right. Um, um, and That's then, a good strategy. That's a great strategy. Which, which is handy. Again, only handy if you refer back to them and use them. But because I do lots of training workshops, little notes and quotes out of books mm-hmm. um, or concepts always pop up. So having that as my own personal resource bank is really valuable. Yep. And this, the second thing with reading either, and it doesn't matter if you use notes in your phone or physically write it out, but that I've found really helpful is that 
I'll be reading something about something potentially unrelated to a business idea and then a line or a quote or something will spark a concept. And if I've got that pen in my hand or I'm in that habit of like typing out notes on my phone, I'll just run with that stream of consciousness. I'll put the book down and just explore that idea and see where it takes me. Okay, Um, good. All right, that's excellent. All right, so I feel like we've only been able to touch the surface so far with we've got an understanding of what you do and um, some of the skills that you employ, but I want to also ask now before we run out of time, um, talk to me about... What are the top three pieces of advice that you could give a young, fresh entrepreneur who's embarking on their startup journey, knowing that they're going to be there's going to be challenges, knowing that they're probably going to have to pivot, knowing that their idea is going to evolve, knowing that they're going to have to learn, you know, so many basic things about business 101, you know, without becoming overwhelmed. What are like the top three things that um, they could get extreme value out of at the beginning of their journey? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, let's focus on those three words that you, you mentioned just then and we'll see how we go on the fly here. See how, see <laughs> yep. how good I am. So let's go with pivot, evolve and overwhelm. Well, so I think is there an firstly, acronym there? Pivot, I don't know. evolve uh, P- and PEO. PEO, it doesn't work. O- OP, <laughs> EPO, none of it's good. We'll work on that. Um, Beautiful. Okay. And then, okay. So for the idea of pivot, I think the first concept, the first thing that comes to mind with me when everyone talks about a pivot is that like it should I always think of it as like pivoting towards or stepping towards or working towards delivering the most value for the community that you wish to serve. So if you have done the market research, if you know the problem you're trying to solve, every action, every hour of the day or week of the year, you should be stepping closer to solving that problem. And if somewhere down the the line you realize that a podcast is the best way for you to solve that problem or selling T-shirts is the best way to solve that problem or sponsoring uh, an organization or a collaboration or a partnership is the best way to solve that problem, great. But as long as everything's aligned with getting closer to that end goal or that North Star, as we always talk about, then I think a pivot is um, should be welcomed at any time okay. uh, and not to be afraid of that. So just to step into it. Um, around evolving, I think it's one of the things that I've kind of learned along the way and been really appreciative um, that I've been taught by a lot of mentors and really engaging with mentors, maybe that's a sub tip, um, has been to, I have to evolve personally as well as I, the business has to evolve. So we hear a lot of people talking about whether you're working in the business or on the business. And I know that's kind of a conversation about um, are you doing the work that matters the most and are you doing the high-level stuff, the strategy, or, or getting lost in the details. Um, yep. But for me, that, that really ties into the reading. I know that like if I want to be a more successful looking five, 10 years in the future, um, manager of a large organization or leader of a large organization, um, I need to step up my game. So I find that in reading through podcasts, through listening to the stuff that you're doing, um, through engaging with LinkedIn and reading the posts from the community. Um, So that evolves me on a personal level. And then on a professional level, testing your ideas. So that lean startup concept of like build, measure, learn, um, putting your product out into the ecosystem, trialing it, taking feedback, welcoming um, constructive criticism and evolving and building up your product and your offering so it's always more valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be, that'd be number two. And number three would be overwhelm. Um, I'd spent a year and a half working in graduate recruitment and one of the biggest things I saw from that experience was people would self-select out. They'd look at an application or they'd see that a, a recruitment process had three stages and they'd sort of go, no, nah, that's too much. I'm not good enough. 
Um, I'm interested in this, but maybe I'll do it in five years or I'll do it when I have enough money or I'll do it after my kids are in school. Yep. And people would self-select out. So the overwhelming piece being that there is a community there to support you and not to self-select out, not to say, I can't be an entrepreneur because. And in fact, that might even be a really good exercise. And I love a challenge. My whole um, development training program is based on challenges. So can I issue one to your audience? Um, Go for it. I would say for any entrepreneur, young, old, more experienced than me, or just starting off, write down your assumptions. If you had to, write down, I cannot be an entrepreneur because, and to see what naturally comes up, just bang, 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 first two or three reasons that come to your mind. And I'm not saying you should listen to them. I think you should do the opposite. I think you should challenge them and tear them down and throw them out of your way because then and only then will you be able to break through them. Yep. But if we don't name that beast, it'll just sit in that subconscious. So when I first said, I can't be an entrepreneur, I was like, I can't be an entrepreneur because I've currently got a full-time job. Yes. I can't be an entrepreneur because I'm too young. I can't be an entrepreneur because I didn't do a business degree. Yes. None of those things are relevant. There's a huge like side hustle community, people working outside their job. Um, there's a huge community of people being entrepreneurs who didn't study business or didn't even study at university or finish high school. Um, so none of these things should stand in your way. So I think to get over overwhelm, it's figuring out what those assumptions are that are floating around in the subconscious, naming them, disproving them, and then relying on your community, the community that you're building, um, the side hustle community, the, the startup ecosystem in Geelong or Melbourne or wherever you are, um, and finding people to support you and give back as well. Perfect. All right, I've got two more questions for you. Cool. The, the, the first one is, where do you see the startup space, tech, innovation, maybe the next biggest area or space that things are going to really take off in? And then the final question I've got for you is, what's on the horizon for the next 6, 12 months um, yep. for you and your business? So, yeah, go for it, mate. All right. Where do I, where do I see the startup specifically the startup world going in the next six yeah six like, or maybe more broadly like obviously we've seen social media dominate we've seen the likes yep. of facebook instagram snapchat twitter i've also seen uber which has innovated and become quite large but then we've also seen a bit of a rise in voice you know voice technology and voice automation and then there's vr mm. and ar as well but yeah maybe there's something that's been neglected or a space that's not really been paid a lot of media attention that could quite possibly be somewhere that's going to really take off or has the potential to do so that that you may have um or maybe it's something education related that you've seen there's a real gap for i guess what I, yeah. why i'm asking is because startups are going to be thinking well where could i come up with a really cool idea or um solution to something that maybe is not as glamorous mm. or known but could really explode yeah Okay, yeah, for sure. So an, a, a space that I'm really interested in that I think Melbourne and the greater Melbourne, Geelong, Victorian area is a real hub for is around social enterprise yes. and around this idea that someone explained it to me the other day, which I thought was ingenious, where they we were sitting in a cafe and they looked around themselves and they said, look, we're sitting in a social enterprise. Like this cafe is a social enterprise. The people employed here were recently homeless. They're getting their first job. The coffee that's sold here has been imported and gives back to support farmers. The toilet paper is who gives a crap toilet paper, which is a brand, if anyone's not familiar with that. Yes. Um, not being too crass. Um, 
And the soap in the dispensary was like, thank you, soap, which obviously gives back. And the point they were making was that literally any product that hasn't formally been involved in like a social enterprise is ripe for disruption. Mm-hmm. So like one thing that I'm really interested in is when's the first airline going to launch that's a social enterprise or when's the first um, when's the p- first ride share going to launch that's like uses that buy one, give one. You talked about Bose model before where mm-hmm. you take a ride with the Uber competitor and for every ride you give them, they support one child taking the bus trip to school. Like right. I think, I think there's just so many, like the one for one model is, is one way to do it. The give back model is, is another way of course. But I think literally if you, if you look down whatever you're wearing, wherever you're sitting right now, look at all the products that you've bought or that people around you are buying or wearing and maybe start there. Maybe you're the next, I don't know, clothing's easy, but the sock social entrepreneur or you're the next um, publishing or protein powder or music app or whatever it is i think there's enormous space there and precedent to be totally, disruptive I, I totally agree i think and that's a great way to build a brand and build some brand loyalty and equity that's that's unreal that's a great piece of advice so what is it that you come into contact with or use in your daily life that you could potentially turn into a social enterprise um product that's that's unreal all right so um with that in mind I guess the the last question is, and it seems like you've had a pretty jam-packed um, 2018 already. Um, so with, with you know, just under six months to go, what's the plan and on the cards for Campus Consultancy? Yeah. So this is my final week of traditional full-time work for this stage of my life. So as of the second week of July, I'm diving into my campus work full-time. Um, Unreal. I'll be which is great, so great timing. Um, I'll be working with more and more universities around the country. So I'm currently working with universities in three different states, yes. New South Wales, ACT, and Victoria. Yes. Um, so the, and all of that's been, I've built connections or those connections have been recommended through a friend of a friend. Um, it hasn't been big marketing plans. It's all been bootstrapped. I haven't pumped money into, into ads. Um, so I'm really excited to see when I do double down on that marketing and when I do um, do a bit of more thinking and be a bit more strategic about um, my reach, who I can work with and who I can build relationships with. Um, so expansion across the university campuses will be really good. Uh, and then probably two more key sectors that have opened up. One is working with the technical colleges and the TAFEs, uh, yes. which is a really interesting piece of work um, being done there. And I think that's a market that um, is completely untapped um, in terms of where student leadership and ambassador programs could play a part, which is kind of my, my niche, my specialty. Um, yep. So I'll be working, working a lot more there and I'm working with some at the moment. And the third area is a really hot one for debate at the moment around international students. I know there's big changes to visas um, and international students in education, uh, such a driver of the economy. Uh, in Victoria, you look at the number plates driving around the streets where we both live and all the license plates say the education state. Um, yep. Not a lot of people know that education is our single biggest export 10 years in a row in Victoria. Yep. So with a lot of universities, a lot of TAFEs and a lot of investment in um, student to entrepreneur kind of programs, I'm really interested in where the international student market comes into play. Yes. And 
and really and with international students in particular, given that I did a lot of travel, I have a lot of empathy for being in a new place and being in a new environment. Uh, and I think that the diversity and the potential for cross-cultural startups mm-hmm. in a way that I've not seen before, I think will run amok uh, in a really good way in the next um, in the next kind of 12 to 24 months. So I'm trying to, to really feed that ecosystem on the back end um, in the next six months, see where I can help out. Mate, that's unreal. Well, it feels like we've hardly even scratched the surface. <laughs> so maybe we're going to have to do a part two installation of our time with you, Josh. Um, oh, that'd be great. Um, we're going to have to leave it there. However, what I do want to uh, say to everyone out there is you've got to check this guy out and what Campus Consultancy is doing. Not only is he an, an entrepreneur and a founder, but you'll see that he's quite actively involved in a lot of other organisations. So um, just just for everyone listening and watching, Josh, what's the best way that they can get in contact with you and find out more about you and Campus Consultancy? Yeah, 100%. So for on the campus end, if you go to www.campusconsultancy.org, or just yes. type that into Google, it'll pop up. Yes. Um, so you can learn a little bit about us there. It's always appreciated. Uh, and if you want to get in contact with me, um, I use LinkedIn. I encourage people to use it more. I think it feeds the ecosystem by having us all connected and seeing each other's work. Mm-hmm. So if you type in um, Josh Farr, F-A-R-R, into LinkedIn, I should pop up. Just send me through a connection request um, with a little note that you listen to the podcast. I'd love to know what you think, if you have any questions. Um, if there's anything that I can help out with, I'd, I'd love to get involved, of course. That's awesome. All right. Well, for now, entrepreneur and founder of Campus Consultancy, Josh Farr, thank you so much for being our special guest and coming on the program. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to getting you on again. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. I'd absolutely love to do a round two sometime. Thank you, Josh. And thanks for joining us for another amazing episode on the Enterprise Monkey Show with Brandon Burns. Until next week, guys, we hope you've enjoyed. And if you want to get in touch, you can visit us on social media, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can reach out to us with some of your amazing content ideas or perhaps a special guest, maybe be yourself that wishes to appear on the show. You can reach out to us at office at enterprisemonkey.com.au. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes Store, Spotify and Stitcher and we'll see you all on the next episode.